Hey everybody, uh, just a note, the audio quality on this is pretty rough on my part. I initially thought it was part of the fan, but it looks like there is an issue with the USB cord I was using, so hopefully uh, the next recording we did after this also sounds good, but I am really sorry about that. And I, I hope you are able to at least hear uh, David and Diego pretty well. I know I'm fairly muffled because of some interference going on in this setup I've got going right now. I want to keep a look on it, but thank you for listening, and uh, enjoy the Battlecast. the third Babelcast of season four. Yes. Yes. Containing Ooh, containing episodes nine through twelve. Atonement, Racing Mars, Lines of Communication, Conflicts of Interest. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. I think like we just have to get used to the new norm, which is even like any episode has like a ton of crap that's important in it. Yeah. Yeah. And as, was, nope. and as was mentioned to me yesterday, never fucking piss off the lens. Nope. Nope. Don't do if it. You did, if you if you didn't Yeah, if you didn't know not to do that from, you know, all the other fucking crap she's pulled. Tonight's episode really highlights why you should never piss off the lead. Right. I mean, Absolutely. Like, don't, yeah. don't, don't kill her favorite person. Yeah. Well, don't kill her favorite person. Don't, you know, attack anyone who's innocent. <laughs> or blow up a white star. Definitely don't blow up a white star. Don't do it. Just don't, don't do it. Because, you know, I, because David actually, David had texted me that. He's like, wow, don't remind me never to piss off the Len. And I, I thought he was referring to the first episode on a block of Talmud. And then as I'm watching this block, I'm like, he may not have just meant that episode. No, yeah, there's, there, there's some other stuff. So we have, we have episode nine Atonement and it's pretty, it's pretty the Len heavy. It's, I think it's the, one of the few truly Delenn episodes. Agreed. They, like, we get, we're, we're going to get a couple this season, but she just really doesn't have a lot. And it touches on something that we really haven't been privy to, which is that, uh, you know, the Mimbari people may not be, like, super keen on having John Sheridan as, like, their son-in-law. Right. <laughs> Or very often. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is this is this is there's absolute racism here. But if you have gone this far in the show and not figured out that ninety eight point five percent of Mimbari are racist, you, my friend, have the wool over your eyes. Well, yeah, that is very true. Mimbari are racist. Like everyone but the land is racist. Essentially, we have two. Everyone but the land is racist. Yeah. Pretty much. That covers I it. Mean, 
I think, I mean, even Lanier is pretty fucking racist. Yeah. He's just like, he's like one of those racists that you, it's hard to like be totally angry at him because he doesn't really let it affect his outward behavior, but, but, but inside. It's still there. He still thinks you're a dirty human. I I am sure if we caught him on tape with Jess or Mari, we would not want to hear what he's saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. No. Well, I mean, we got a little snippet of that um, in one of these episodes. No, it's this episode. Yes. Yeah. We got a, we got, because right, the first, our first scene is Zach getting fitted for his, um, his oh, new yeah. uniform as chief of security. And, you know, Zach's kind of a, a racist asshole himself, so I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> no, but... but Zach's complaining about, you know, the suit, and it's not fitting well, and, um, of course, they they don't take... The memory that's fitting him are not taking kindly to it, so they stick him. And Lanier is just like, next time, bigger needle and do it again, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so really quick, um, that's like the the humorous part of the episode. Yeah, yeah, and it's gone I mean, in it, in the first yeah, ninety it, seconds. It ends, right. It enters in with a joke and it leaves with a joke, and everything between it is serious. Because <laughs> we we're right away we get um we get uh. Um, Delenn is getting a clan representative mm-hmm. who's like, yeah, you have to come back home because, you know, we, we need to talk about your life choices. Mm-hmm. So she wants she wants a little bit of time so that she can settle her affairs because, uh, like, you know, we, we get that she may not be returning to Babylon 5 and then you cue to the, the credits, you know. Right. The year was twenty two, whatever. And of course, she doesn't tell Sheridan that she might not coming, no, might not be coming back. Just that she's going away. Well, sure, that's the secret. Yeah. Still in play. Not she actually ever tell Sheridan the entire story. Right? Yeah. Like she doesn't even tell him when he gets back, and I actually get that because I'm watching the episode and I'm just like, she isn't gonna tell him unless until the opportunity, the moment is right. Because because she doesn't really want him to know how fucking horrible her people are. Yeah. Especially when it comes to him. Like, no, as as a son-in-law, no one really wants to know how badly their in-laws hate them. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's protecting him. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, that said, I think that's bullshit, but... <laughs> But she's definitely protective. She doesn't tell him she might not be coming back. But she looks real scared. So he he definitely gets like that that idea that this is this is serious. Yes. So Lanier comes with her because you know try and peel him away from her. <laughs> we dare you. And um, so they're going to. So they they finish before. before before they leave, they do finish the um, the third the three night ritual. Oh, the Mimbari who become close, like they have become close. Blah blah 
blah, 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 blah. If you deny them, they'll cut off, you know, your stuff. Um, so they do finish their third night. Um, and he doesn't know that that might be the last time she sees him, but he knows. And I, I think that this is a very important scene because this entire episode is bringing into question why Dylan is with Sheridan. And yeah. her people think it's for one thing. And you could tell when Lanier like reiterated what they would think when when they heard about what happens during this ritual she's going to perform. Like, he believed that, too, in some part. Like, he says, no, 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 I obviously know this isn't the truth. But he even he thinks she has other motives for being with Sheridan. Right. And I think we need this scene. We need to see Delenn watch John Sheridan as he sleeps so that we can see her, her face. And Mila Furlan, I think her name is, she, she portrays her love of him very well. Yeah. Because we, we need this. Right. And we, we need to see that to remind us. Right. Because, you know, they don't like beat Dylan and, and Sheridan over your head every episode. Like sometimes you don't even see them together. So they every once in a while, especially like we we watch this in blocks. So we get a lot of it all at once. But other people in the past had to watch this weekly. So they just I think they just wanted to make sure you remember that it's it's a it's very there's a much it's a very loving relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a nice little quick scene. It didn't take a lot. Not a lot was said. It was just a little thrown in reminder. Yep. So the Lynn and Lanier head out they go to Minbar and they meet like a whole crap ton of her clan yeah because apparently all of like the leaders have to be present for this for whatever reason and so they they, yes so they they have some issues you know that no Minbari's ever married an alien as far as they're willing to admit um, she turned herself into a part human hybrid without consulting anyone. Mm-hmm. She says, "Hey, these are the decisions I had, had to make, and I made them. They're my decisions." And her clan's like, "Yeah, but we're your clan, and you're supposed to kind of, you know, seek our guidance." Yeah. So they come. Right. So they come to an agreement that they're they're going to she's going to perform this this ritual known as the dreaming where. She, she drinks some LSD and walks into a holodeck and sees what happens. Yeah. And basically it's going to portray, it's going to show her things that she needs to see from her own past. Yeah. So. And yeah. goes with her because she has to have like an escort or someone to watch over her. Right. She needs a guide. Yeah. And she's going to do this and she's going to report to the elders what she sees in the dreaming. And then they're going to decide whether or not she's allowed to marry Sheridan. And she agrees, based on these things, that if they say that her motivations are not pure and chosen out of love and for something else entirely, that she'll she'll listen to them and she won't marry Sheridan. Right. So they drink the LSD, they go into the holodeck. And, and we... Yeah, and we get a we get a whole 
about an episode that takes place in the past. Right. I have a question for you, David. Sure. Because because my memory is not to be trusted. Because this is my uh, my perception of Babylon Five is starting to become very non-linear. Okay. So, oh, had you ever seen the scene where Delenn is over Ducat's body before? Where she goes? So. I don't believe so. I, I didn't think so either, but I couldn't place, like, because there's there's at least one other scene, and I know when one happens, but there's also like I wasn't sure whether we ever saw this again or whether we had seen parts of this before, and I don't I, think we'd seen parts of it before. Yeah, like I don't remember it. I mean, it could not have stuck out in my mind, but I don't think we even talked about it. So, right, so, so for you, this is huge because. Really, like, because one of the, like, well, I guess we'll start chronologically, but we get some big revelations in this episode about the Earth-Membari War. Yes, absolutely. So basically, we get to see Delenn's post, we're going to go with college, post-college experience. Yeah. Where she, she finally gets out of Temple, and she finds her way... She acts as a the same thing Lanier's doing for her as a guide through the dreaming. She does for Ducat, who is one of the great Mimbari. Um, they, several people say he's the greatest Mimbari, uh, but you know I think that's probably only because in most Mimbari mind, Valen is not even Mimbari anymore. He's just like a god figure. Right. But Ducat is 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 the great Mimbari. And he, he very quickly takes Delenda under his wing, and he is just the the Jewiest Jew in Bari there ever was. That's a good way of putting it. I just like he just he he had such a such an air of like an old grumpy Jew. Yeah, like he was he was gonna invite you know Delenda for bagels and some schmear. Oh my god, I can't believe you used the same word Vinny did. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Vinny. But like am I wrong here? Like he has like a it's, it seems like a, he's like it's a weird portrayal. I it's a portrayal of Mimbari I haven't seen before. Yeah. We've never I feel like seen we've only really one of other sage like Mimbari. Yeah. True, but they definitely were not the same. Um, In any case, so we have Dukan, who's probably is he the first or the second Mimbari we see with facial hair? The second, the draw. Okay, draw have. And what about what about um? That warrior cast guy. I couldn't remember. Does he have facial hair? I don't think I don't so. Remember. Narun, yeah, I couldn't remember. Okay. In any case. First draw and now uh Ducat. Played by Ryder Okay. Right. Hmm. But I do think like um do you think that that's a I, I'm not sure if I've read this before or not, but do you think that's a aspect of Sinclair being in their their 
you know, Mimbari DNA pool now. Because, like, like, like most Mimbari have no hair. And I'll, you know, every once in a while you get facial hair. I never thought of it, but maybe. Right. And I wonder if both of those characters were of um, Sinclair's bloodline. But who knows? Maybe. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's certainly within the realm of possibility. If they are, it's a retcon. A fast, a you think? Yeah, I bet it's one of they did not even think about. I'll take a retcon as long as it makes sense. Yeah, that occasional Navarro have facial hair if they're descent guys that mark over the scent of Right. All right, so we have... Um, so eventually, like, Ducat uses Delenn to chastise the Grey Council because um, they've started to hear about humans and Earth, and they don't they don't want to meet them because they're pretty, like, Membari are pretty isolationists. Pretty hardcore isolationists. They definitely don't want to meet people that aren't of a certain, shall we say, societal position. Yeah. That's a good way. Which, which really makes you wonder why they're even associated with the Centauri, but... <laughs> Not the one of that, yeah. But... That doesn't mean they're involved socially. Along the time that they that it would be impossible to have not dealt with them. Well, sure. I mean, obviously they have dealt with them. I'm just saying, you know, if they're looking for an evolved species. We don't know how much they interact with this Atari. True. Yeah. Enough to know that the Centauri had communications with Earth. Yes. So I don't know, like, I, don't, I'm, I want Vinny's opinion on this. Like, it feels like, I don't feel like they would put a scene in for no reason. And the reason within the scope of this episode seems a little low. Do you think that they put the scene in where he's using Delenn to chastise the Great Council because they want, they want us to realize, like, why there might be some negative negativity towards Delenn through the series from her and the Great Council? See, I don't, I don't, I think that it's, it's easy to assume why there'd be negativity. I mean, the, the Ethnobarian War is still a deep wound on both sides. I think that this, I, I, we, were, we were texting about this, that, you know, every episode of Battle has a very distinct biblical illusion, whether intentional or not. Right. And this, this seems to go on the Jesus telling you about the wisdom of children, and you know, which is here what here uh, Ducat is doing that to the Great Council, but I'm a child. Well, I mean, there's no argument. There's uh, there's definitely no argument that that's what this is. I just wonder if this scene had any more lasting repercussions for her. Maybe a little bit. Because but... I mean, it's there's definitely. I mean, you know, like you just said, it's just so impossible to not hit Bible when you hit one of these episodes. Especially when you're dealing with, again, with one of these sage-like, rabbi, rabbinic characters. Sure. And you know what? Thank you, because that's, that's totally what he reminds me of. Like, he, he totally does remind me of kind of that rabbinic... Maybe that's where it's coming from, because he's very much like every scene with Ducant is a lesson 
and I love it. Like I really like the character of Ducat. This this actor, I don't remember what you said his name was, but he was fantastic. Like he made you really like him, and especially like feel some of that anger when he dies that Delenn feels. Yeah. Yeah, we've only heard about him a little bit. He actually really hasn't shown up nearly as much as you think he would in conversation. No. no. And it's it's I love how they and I, I think we you, you have to admit it's retroactively. I love how they retroactively kind of like make Delenn so much like her mentor, like how she deals with Lanier and like she says the same things to Lanier that that Ducat said to her to the Absolutely. point where you others where she's trying to groom Lanier in the same way that she was groomed. Oh, yeah. She took so much from Ducat. Like, it's kind of crazy sometimes. Like, she realizes Ducat. I mean, it's... Yeah. What we see here is this is who she wants to be. Oh, yeah. But that's... Absolutely. And I, I think that it's really interesting if, if you... Like, I hadn't thought about this before, but if you, if you take those two relationships, it's very interesting. Like, her feelings towards Ducat are obviously what Lanier aspires for his feelings towards Delenn to be. Right. Like, they're not romantic in any sense of the word. They're, they're more worshipful than that. Yes. And yeah. I don't I don't know that we can... I, I don't know that as much as Lanier denies it, I don't think his emotions are quite that pure no he there's at least some romantic feelings on Lanier's part and Dylan I don't think really has any romantic feelings for Ducat it's much more just like she looks up to this guy immensely she respects him you know so that's what she aspires to be absolutely but um so in any case, so like I, I really love like you 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 yeah for lack of a better way you fall for this guy he's great. Yeah. Is is Ducat on the Grey Council or is he just like haranguing the Grey Council? I do I, not I don't think he is, but I'm right. a little confused by that. Yeah, um, it, it seemed like he had a different position. It was still like a high up position, but it wasn't on the Grey Council. Now, now, like if you if you trace it back, he was he was he's in Valen's position, because there was an episode a while ago. I don't remember what season, maybe second season, where Delenn was supposed to come back and, and be put in to Ducat's position to lead the council. She wasn't going to be Gray anymore. She was going to be who Ducat was to them. Right. And she denied it, but they wouldn't let her take her place as, as Grey Council because of that. Yeah. So I, I, I'm moderately sure that he was not one of the nine. Yeah. He seems separate from that role. Yeah, I, I agree. Right. I think he's from religious caste, but not of religious caste at that point. Yes. Yeah, we haven't seen. This is a new role we've seen in society. And I, I do, right? And I, I do think that that role probably traces back to, um, to Valen. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Because I mean, again, Valen, Valen was a great captain. Doesn't really serve on the great council. 
Right. I suspect that that this particular role is much like the role of a president, just to kind of guide the government. But but not like take like you don't get to make the decisions. Obviously, if he got to make the decisions, he from what from what it sounded like he was saying, he could have forced them to meet the humans. But it was in his mind he shouldn't do that. You you shouldn't abuse your authority. Right. So really, I think that they're the the, the nine are basically like a like a legislative body. Yeah. But it's it's interesting, like though the weird, like yeah, I bet that um, political science students would just like have a field day trying to figure out Mimbari government. Yeah. See, we've we've discussed this. We know that the details have shifted as the show has gone on. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I I can never argue with you that there's a lot of of retconning within the scope of this, but. I kind of love that about this show because all the retconning is done out of a love for a show and wanting to make it make more sense or as much sense as it possibly can. Yeah. Although looking at the picture on Wikipedia for this, we do see yeah. there, are eight, there is an empty circle with Ducat and Dulen, Dulen in the middle. I don't know okay. why it's like so weird. Like this is such a weird thing for me now. Yeah, nothing for you. So, I mean, I remember seeing this spot, and one of my instincts, like, I, I thought at first that that was when he was going to appoint her to the council, but obviously that he doesn't have the power to do that. And then I thought, well, maybe it's just like the the gateway spot where people walk through, or maybe there was a member of the council that wasn't there. Someone walked to the restaurant at the time? Maybe. Or off doing work, much like Delenn was part of the nine for at least the entirety of the first season, but wasn't among them. That, yeah. was, that always seemed like an odd arrangement, though. That never seemed like a normal... Yeah, that someone could have still been in a meeting somewhere or something like that. So anyway, um, moving on with... All right, with the... so from what... I... I, I, I know we can't completely trust it, but it looks like Ducat was a member of the original council. Okay. Um, that, I'm getting that from the uh, Babylon 5 Wikia, so I don't, you know, we can't, like, what good source is there besides JMS, but... Which, who knows what he'll say? Yeah, he's in this point, you know. But, so there you go. Um... But moving on, so later on, Delenn becomes a member of the Great Council, and mm-hmm. before she's even a member for like an hour, <laughs> she um they they run into the humans. Oops. Whoopsie. Yeah, first day on the job, they run into the humans, and the the warrior cast is like, "Hey, yo, our gun ports are open." It's like a handshake back in the Middle Ages because there's no way this can be misinterpreted and we've never run into any alien races before but that's a sign of peace yeah I mean have they never ran into any other aliens apparently not not who have survived 
you go. They're like, we're great diplomats. People just keep on attacking us. I don't even know why. <laughs> ah, I would believe it. Oh, but I do want to, before, let's pause and go back just slightly. Okay. Um, when the limb becomes one of the nine, an important scene happens. Yes. Um, they they get one of these triluminaries, which we've seen before, and they hold it in front of her, and she holds her hand up, and it glows. And this is something I'm actually, like, I put a little bookmark in my brain to talk about when we got this to this point, because I wanted to talk about it, and I didn't want to spoil David. I think, and I don't know, I, 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 I'm willing to believe that before this point, that this isn't necessarily what they had in mind, but I really don't have any idea. But I believe I've read somewhere that these triluminaries are like the three pieces of oh, Sinclair's so hand link. Oh. Because that have been modified by Membari technology to respond to his... Because they they have his original DNA because hand links are DNA coded. Yeah, they're all related to this block. Yes. Or do we learned earlier, actually? Yeah, we've we've known that, I think. Yeah. That's but interesting. Hand, yeah, but hand links are DNA coded, so this so his hand link was broke into three parts because it can it contains not only his DNA and specifically, but just human DNA in general, and they're designed to respond to his DNA. So they've yeah. been modified by Mimbari technology, because obviously this isn't how a hand link is supposed to function. Yeah. And let's be honest, no matter what they're saying about anything, by the time a thousand years have passed, I don't care what you think DNA is, but there's probably going to be very little trace of Sinclair's DNA a thousand years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could probably be a fragment of some, a very small, but I'm not going to, you know. Yeah. We're not going to science this because it's not meant to be scienced. No. That's for a different um, conversation, for a different day. So, but they they get all, all, everyone gets a little spooked when that happens, and we don't we don't necessarily know right away why that is, and neither does the lamb, but she does note it. So you have the humans and the open gun ports, and as you well know, Arthur Pendragon opens fire. Yes. <laughs> and creates a whole big old map. So there's, uh, and I I don't understand why during the first encounter the best ship the Mimbari have is so easily bombarded by Earth Force, but it is. I guess. It so, wouldn't be as plot relevant if it was so, like, secured, okay? That's why I turned my brain off, because I'm like, well, if this doesn't happen, then none of the plot happens, so shut yeah. up, brain. <laughs> Pretty much. So, Ducant is is uh, injured gravely in this battle. Yes. And he is, Dylan is, is holding him, and he he's saying something, but we later find out she is not able to make it out at the time. She doesn't know what he said. No. And she flips. The the nine come one of the nine comes to her and says, Listen, we're half and half. We don't know whether we should fall back and regroup and figure out what what the fuck would happen, because it couldn't have been the gun ports. Everyone knows about the gun ports. Or whether they should go and pursue them and obliterate them from the face of the galaxy. 
and Delenn portrays something that she's spoken of before where she went mad. Oh yeah, very quickly. She loses her mind. She makes a decision after tragedy. Which is like, oh, yeah. one of them, don't do that. Right. Yeah. So she, along with the rest of the Mimbari race, go mad. But she starts it. Yeah. She, think, basically, it, she gives the order, basically, to start the war. She says, hunt them down, yeah, destroy them. Her actions at this point of the show will cause a war. She's told it's four to four. You're the deciding vote. Genocide yeah. or no genocide? And then we genocide. Right. And we come back later to this and she's just like, well, we can stop now. And they tell her, they're like, no, we can't. As a people, we've kind of gone nuts now. This only stops, you know, when the rest of the humans are dead. Mm-hmm. We're committed now. We're doing right. this. There's some weird thing about souls and uh, whatever. Well, if it is, I think we're that happens. We'll, we'll figure it out. Right. So... She says, no mercy, and the Earthman boy, Bari War begins. Mm-hmm. And, and and the dreaming ends. Mm-hmm. And we're left, Lanier is the person who kind of communicates what they're going to believe based on what he saw, which is that she is marrying Sheridan because she still feels guilty oh, yeah. over starting the Earthman Bari War. She doesn't know quite how to get rid of those emotions and that's why she's doing that and why she's turned herself half human or or really mostly human at this point from what we understand Um, and that she's doing it all out of guilt Yeah, and she doesn't believe that for a second but she also doesn't understand we need to go back to one thing I think that we kind of miss a recurring idea in the flashbacks is telling Delenn that she has a special lineage, her family is special. Right, she had chosen for a reason. Those ideas. That she's more than she thinks she is. Right, he has a reason for choosing her. And, like, that's going to eliminate what I had mentioned, which is, you know, what he actually says. But, um, so she leaves and she's she dwells on his words. And I. I am glad you mentioned that because, like, that's really what prompts her to return to the dreaming is because she keeps on meditating on the things that he had said about her, about her heritage, and the idea that she didn't hear what his last words were, but they were they were spoken in her memories. So she re- decides that if she returns the dreaming, she should be able to hear what he said, and she does so, bringing like one of the clan elders with her. Right. You can, you can bring three people into the dreaming, not just the two. Yeah. And really... There's a smoke cup that you need to have. Yes. The LSD. It's okay. And let's... She's like, I don't... There is just no doubt in my mind. I would be terrified of her if I were a Mimbari. Well, I mean, let's, let's be frank. Delenn is terrifying because she does whatever she wants to do and makes other people follow her through sheer force of will. Yeah. She really is not very Mimbari. No. no. And as we'll discover, there might be a reason for that. So she goes back to the dreaming. It's what was now a, what was once a twosome is now a threesome. 
Hey, hey, and they, hey. And everyone cheered. <laughs> and she encourages everyone to listen to what his final words to her are. And he says, you are a child of Valen. We know who Valen is. Valen, as we've discussed already, is Jeffrey Sinclair, saying she is of the lineage of Valen. Meaning that she probably one of the reasons, like, it, it stands to reason that the Triluminary wouldn't have worked to do what it did to the Lynn on anyone. It, prob- it probably required that you actually had some d- human DNA in you already. Yes. And everyone does look a little either shocked or surprised by this, except except Dukat who looks like he knows what's going to happen. Bobby, do you mean... Um, like the glow. You don't mean Ducat, you mean, um, oh, 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 okay, in that scene, yes, yeah, like, he knew. Like, he saw that coming. This is all part of Ducat's long game. Yeah, he, he, he's basically, the land is just a pin he needs to hit just right to make everything that happened in this show happen. <laughs> he really has. Knowing he would die. I think that he... I, I like to believe he thought he'd be alive to help, but it's probably for the best he didn't because really Delenn learned about controlling people through force of will from him. Bringing in someone just to embarrass a group of people. Right. So, like, how do you think if he had been alive during the Shadow War, he and Sinclair would or Sheridan would have really gotten along? You say he and he and Sheridan? I say that if Ducat survived, Ducat yeah. Sheridan would be engaged. Oh, I like that world. Yeah, that would be nice. But in any case, so Lanier is sent to obtain some scrolls, which he does with a vengeance. And she kind of Dylan kind of spells all this out with the the elder that's with her, saying, "Hey, listen, we know Jeffrey Sinclair's Valen. He was a human that became Embari, but was still a little bit human. And after the first Shadow War, he helped reform the society. He formed the Great Council. He got married. He had children, and that and there was some persecution for his lineage." But after after Valen's death, so after Sinclair's death, his children rejoin Membari society and, you know, with their particular DNA heritage. And that's when we start having human souls, Membari bodies and Membari souls, human bodies and whatnot and so forth. So Delenn's argument is, hey, we're not pure, so what does it matter? And then the elder says, uh, yeah, but you can't tell people that. She, she does the classic Mbari thing of, so we know the truth, but here's the story we're going to tell everyone. Yes. Right, so the elder, because he doesn't want the entire people to, to really realize the idea that they're, they're tainted with human DNA, he's like, we will give you away as a war bride. <laughs> We have found this awkward old ceremony. Right. That we will use 
It was just so, you know what it was? Like, I'm watching this scene where he decides, like, he's making up <laughs> the sociolo- sociology idea. And I realized that somewhere along the way, the lens player rolled a really great intimidation check. Yeah. And the storyteller had to dig deep to figure out a way to make his campaign not fall apart. Oh, I love doing that to the GM. That's so much fun. So look deep, and he came up. Gonna, 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 gonna put a pin on that one, David, because you, you never fuck up a story like, like the lens just would have. <laughs> no, no one fucks. No, no one, no one fucks a game like the lens player fucks a game. <laughs> yeah. Except maybe Sheridan. She's like, that shouldn't work like, like that. Oh, but it does. You uh-huh. me. That's your problem. Hyperspace rules. <laughs> <laughs> you can't use a hypergate as a bomb. I just did. <laughs> Such a horrible. Such a horrible power gaming group. <laughs> so in any case, they come up with a nice, convenient Mimbari story for why the lens gonna get married to Sheridan. Yes. And everyone's happy. Yay. And so she goes Go ahead. So she goes home to meet him. She doesn't tell him what's going on. Of course not. Um and then we have two other bits. One relatively unimportant but I still want to mention and the other which will be important in the next episode. Yeah. One <laughs> is that we see Jakar has a scene with Don Franklin. Um, he gets a prosthetic eye that is very human, um, because that's all they have in stock, and it works. And that's the important part. And, and, and Franklin's just like, we'll figure the rest out later. But we have a baseline now. It works. It's in you. We have like these eyes sitting around. We are at yeah. the floor still. But yeah. so no more, no more eye patch, McGee. He gets right. he gets a he gets a big boy eye. Yeah, good for him. The other thing is that Sheridan pulls Franklin and Marcus into his office and says, "Listen, I need someone to go make contact with the Merge Resistance. I really love myself, but everyone knows what I look like, and you guys are command staff, so there's absolutely no way anyone would know what the head medical officer." Babylon 5 looks like, so you two go instead. Who is the most dickish character on the station to, to become friends with the resistance of Mars? I said it's the most... Right, it's the most dickish character on the station and the most sardonic, sarcastic character on the station. It's the yes. best buddy movie. Sitcom. Yes, it's the best buddy cop movie in this season so far. <laughs> It's true. That's true. That's very true. So Franklin's going to make contact, and Marcus is going to keep him alive. But because they have to break through the blockade, it's going to take them forever and a day. Yeah. And I love the fact that they end the episode with Marcus singing the Mikado. Yes, they they end the episode. Marcus apparently has a lot of weird zero gravity, you know 
things where he he uses his his den his his Mimbari fighting pike, just opening and closing it to the point where Franklin wants to murder him, and then you know sings the major general song through the end of the episode, which I love. It's just great. It made me happy. I love it. I'm just reading from a behind the scenes thing where apparently, like, so. So Marcus is singing the Major General song in a single take that they used, and they used that as a as the end, the closing credits instead of the standard music. And apparently, at the very end of the credits, Richard Biggs just screams in frustration, and you can hear the director just shout "cut" at that point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only other thing I really, really wanted to mention is that um, we do get a little taste of um, of continuity in that. At when we first see Ivanova, she has a uh, she's had a she has her green leader sash on. She she had a green leader social event to attend. <laughs> so you know, which is great. I love that she's still green leader. Mm-hmm. So we move on to racing Mars. Ooh. Oh man, that's just sloppy. <laughs> I'm reading. Uh, you know, I, I like to keep track of some of the stuff we're doing. I keep a Wikipedia page open, and the the synopsis, the quick synopsis for this episode is: Franklin and Marcus arrive on Mars only for the resistance to suspect them of being spies. Fair enough. Garibaldi gives an interview for ISN that angers Sheridan. Yes, he did. Like four episodes ago. That's just sloppy. That's just sloppy, is all I'm saying. Well, you know, it's a wiki, so you can edit it. Yeah. That way lies madness. We will not be doing that. So someone else, tell us about Racing Mars. So, they, um... The Doc and why am I just forgetting names? They actually get to Mars, but they are under deep suspicion because apparently there's miscommunication about who was actually coming. There's no identification on who was coming, no recognition. Before we get to that point, before they get to Mars, mm-hmm. they do they do meet their contact. They do not realize oh, yeah. their contact. Right. Uh, um, because they were arguing a little bit, then Marcus goes off and finds them. And at first, they thought it was like the captain's family member, like cousin well, or something. His initial story is that he's the he's the captain of the liner's um, brother. Mm-hmm. But but they don't they don't really buy that. But they can't, can't really disprove him either. So they kind of just agree to stay on their own sides of the cargo bay. Right. The Marcus is still being insufferable at this point. Absolutely. Yes. And he does. He's well. He's taking his role seriously. He's supposed to be Franklin's bodyguard. Franklin's like, ooh, this guy's got hot food in a bag, and Marcus and, is protecting him. And it's like, hey, poison, strangers. Did you never have a mother? Yeah. So yeah. So they they meet. Franklin's mother. We want to see Franklin's dad. So. And his dad would be aghast just for a hot meal. Fred had to work hard for those hot meals at home. Yeah. That's right. 
push-ups and shit. <laughs> so, but yeah, so so they, they eventually he does make contact with them. Like he he gives them the appropriate passphrase. And the only the greatest the only ID cards that he could get a hold on because you know usually they only get single people not a pair of people. Um, they apparently Marcus and Franklin get married and they're on their honeymoon at going to Mars. Yeah, they're 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 the ID cards are for recently married. Uh, couple they're going to mars so not like this is i think this episode you'll have, you'll have to correct me Vinny, if i'm if i'm missing one but this episode reveals to us that we have same-sex marriage and girl popes yes i, believe, I think this is definitely that we learned about the uh the, the ordination of women in this episode of the Catholic church and this is the first time we've seen i think at least an all a, a verbal reference to a same-sex marriage right there might have been in the background, but we haven't seen much effort about it. We haven't seen much talk about it. We haven't really, there haven't really been many LGBT themes in Babylon 5. No, and I think it's pretty cool that they put it in there. I mean, and at the same time, though, they want they want that punchline, too, so. Yeah. I they're doing other pun- it's, it's, I think they're, they're trying to have a little bit both ways of punchline and have a commentary moment. And yeah. they, they, they play it really well because, like, for the rest of the episode, Marcus is very much like the uh, the, uh, the naggy wife. And, oh, what will I tell your father or your mother yeah, they, and all they that? They play it the same way they would have played it if, if Marcus had had it or Marcus and, like, Ivanova. Yes. Let's, take, let's say Marcus and some other female Catherine because we don't have any of them, actually. Sure. And then... They absolutely would have, because Marcus, Marcus doesn't care. He's just going to make the joke. Marcus yeah. is also the worst and the best. He's the best. I mean, he's that kind of guy that you really want to know until you know him. And then you're like, what am You don't want to ever go the road trip with just him, though. No, that would be, be awkward. That would be like me and you on a road trip. Oh, we do fine. Maybe. Oh, you... I mean, you mean five minutes before I buried you, check. I rest, he rests his case? Whatever, whatever, <laughs> All right, so getting back to Babylon 5. It's all right, they, they, get to, they get to Mars, like you said, and their their ident cards don't check out. No. And because they, they mentioned, like you had mentioned that but just to, just to clarify a little, they had a they had an issue where when they were told by Babylon Five that people were coming, that they didn't they only got part of that transmission. They only got enough of the transmission to know that people were coming, but not like who, how, what, why, anything like that. Right. So they they didn't know what to expect. So. They were going to check their ident cards against their DNA, make sure that they were their ident cards, and then they were going to try and get a hold of Babylon 5 just to check things out in the meantime. But that, that, that all goes to shit. Very quickly. So, but before it goes to shit, like, their contact, um, 
like leaves his jacket off. I just want to bring this up, like, because it kind of plays in a little bit later. But like, he leaves his jacket on, even though it's really hot at everyone's wedding. He talks about his daughter and gives Franklin a picture with a dress on it to him. So at the time, Franklin doesn't think any of anything of this, but stuff goes wrong. Apparently, the blood doesn't match. Franklin or Marcus. So they start freaking out. By freaking out, we mean they're going to murder them. Yep, in the face. Yep. No faces. Yeah. Um, um, I, but, but we get number one, and she comes and she's just like, wait, 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 hold on a second. I want to hear these guys out. I don't want to just murder people. Right. And we should, I should mention that I call her number one because she's the, the first, she's the number one in the Marsh Resistance. That's kind of how they refer to each other as number one, number two. Oh. She's number one. Yeah, she's the top dog. Right. Or the floor of the flame of the season for Dr. <laughs> that too. But once she comes in and you know calms everyone down a little bit to contact reluctantly Captain. shoots at, at her yeah Captain Jack pulls out his gun and start taking some shots at her obviously having waited till he made contact so he could you know you know murder her right so they shoot back at him and they shoot him in the neck, which is a good shot. Even though it doesn't kill him, it just kills the creature. All right, because that's when we discover that there is a, ah, a keeper on Captain Jack. Yeah. Right. So, um, so Captain Jack runs a war. is not over and is somehow involved with the Earth shit more. Right. Well, we don't... Wait. Like, well, the Shadow War's over, but again, they, they have, had a lot about allies. So. Right, their their servants seem to be making plays right. for power. Um, so that's you know, so Captain Jack gets away. Doctor Franklin gets this opportunity to examine a keeper because they haven't done that before. No, and as he's now. Minute, they realized that uh, the captain switched out the blood samples so purposely they wouldn't match and they retake samples to and everything matches up and everything's kind of funky dory with them now. Right, so so they're okay and um, they end up they end up uh, talking to Captain Jack who has is escaped in a with a thermal grenade in a tube and he explains to them that they they came to him at night and they put that thing on him and it's been controlling him and as David as you mentioned the only way he could he could communicate with them at all was to, to try and like to do the weird things like you know dress like bundling up when he was obviously quite warm and giving them little weird little pieces of misinformation 
and yeah. things like that. So that he he was trying to cue them, tee them off. Right, and Trinkley uh, doesn't notice until afterwards. So. Right, um, and then he blows himself up because he says that it doesn't matter. You can't remove a keeper; they'll grow back. And as he says that, we can see that it has started to grow back because it's, yeah. it's 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 a, it's a particularly creepy scene where the tentacle is like reaching over his shoulder. Yeah, and so it was a pretty quick regeneration. I mean, I don't think it was too long between like the the one getting shot off and him leaving and escaping right I don't, I don't really like yeah i don't know too much like i don't we don't we're left to we don't know how long it was but it wasn't more than a day yeah in any case and then i mean so that's that's kind of where we end them where where they've now made contact with mars and and the rest of the resistance is going to come meet them and hear what Captain Sheridan has to say through them. Right. But we have a second plot line. Yes. And it's actually one of my favorite plot lines in this in this post-Shadow War block, if only because I think it helps wheel back Sheridan back into humanity. Yeah. As as you know, as I've been advocating, he's been kind of like a crazy megalomaniac, and uh, I haven't necessarily seen. I've seen more of of Gary Baldy's side than I probably want to. Mm-hmm. But we get to this point, and he seems a lot more human. He responds angrily. He makes mistakes. You know, he he has sex. You know, like you do. It's like a cable version of Babylon Five. <laughs> Well, you know, like a late night cable version of Babylon 5. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. I watched that at the beginning of the game until replacement. Yeah. Sure. Just update the show with JMS. Give him another TV series. I'd yeah, be okay sure. with that. I'd be more than okay with that. <laughs> I, I, I encourage this idea. HBO, please give JMS a pile of money to do what he wants with it. Because sure. we all know HBO collectively listens to this podcast, so I think I think their leadership probably does. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility at all. No, it's absolutely not. Every podcast, <laughs> scouring their ideas, people. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, um, so. Sheridan goes back. He listens to the. Uh, they keep on replaying that uh, that interview that Garibaldi did. Yeah. And he just gets himself angry. I love it. He's just like, oh, I hate this. You gotta watch more. So it, basically, he's like every person who's not a super conservative that watches Fox News. He just watches to make himself angry. <laughs> and he, he, he he's listening to find out what the enemy is thinking. Uh-huh. Let's go with that. Yes. Literally the only channel they get. It's ISN. So so he goes and confronts Garibaldi. Yeah, or at least he tries to do it calmly. He, he does. He's like, hey, we haven't talked a while. I love you. 
no, he, like, he, he's like, why did you do that? Where is this coming from? And Garibaldi responds very poorly. Mm-hmm. And snarkily, he turns on his super snark. Very and they fight. So. He goes full Italian. Oh, yeah. So they fight. Um, not, like, physically, but they, they, they have words. They get close. They get close. I also like to point out that it's quite obvious that he lost his temper and said things he doesn't mean. Because yeah. because he, he, he says one thing that's really like that you're like, no, you, you didn't really mean that. And then he goes back later on. He's like, yeah, I said a lot of things I didn't mean. Because he, he says at one point, he's just like, listen, you say things publicly that are bad about me and I'm going to knock your block off. And you know he doesn't mean that because since the second season, he's been very much against censorship. And even though they're in a time of war, you really, like, I can't, can't believe that he's, that the situation is that different. Right. Because there was a time where um, you had, had Night night Watch and Subversion Watchers and all these things, and they were making sure that people didn't talk about bad about the president. And so Sheridan loses his temper. He says a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to go back a little bit again in this episode and talk about a scene we get with Garibaldi. Sure. Finding, finding the man's daughter. Oh, uh, you're in the wrong episode, my friend. Oh, it's the wrong episode? Yeah. Okay, I thought that was this one. No, it's the last one. Okay. So. This one. It, it could have been, but it wasn't. <laughs> but if it helps you, I know that because I just watched this last yeah. episode two okay. hours ago. <laughs> That's not true at all. I've moved 20 feet. Ooh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but it was a good one. Hey, you bring it up. Standard. You bring, you know, bring it up and deal with the consequences. That's what I say. All right. Um, but yeah, so they have a, a fight and then he talks to Dolan and Dolan's just like, hey, you know, whatevs. You guys are just going along your different man. And so he does try once more, right? Yeah. He goes he, he goes back to talk to Garibaldi one more time. And he's just like, listen, I, I said things I didn't mean. You know, I'm sorry. Let's talk about this like human beings. And then you get the worshiper. Yeah. They should have been uh, in private quarters on the cottage. Yeah, invite Garibaldi over dinner. Some nosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they are in public, and one of the people that's really awesome, like, thinks that Sheridan's the best thing ever because he died on Zahadoom and came back to life, sees them, and it creates a scene because this is exactly what Garibaldi hates. Yeah. And it's just like right there in front of his face. And it's important to one of the things that's been threading through this, because we're, we're looking at this from Sheridan's point of view, but there's a point from Garibaldi's point of view where he's been approached during this episode by a man named Wade. Is that correct? I think so. I think so, yeah. 
Yeah, so, yes, it's his, um, Mark Schneider playing a character called Wade, who is like my new Mr. Morton. I, I love him. He, he's so sleazy and great. <laughs> and if, sleazy yes. I, I'm serious, though. If Wade and Morton were in the same room together, it would just be so amazing. <laughs> They're both That's so the spinoff horrible. that Diego wants is sleaze. Oh, it'd be, sleazy, just sleazy background characters in the whole it, series. It'd yes. be like the odd cup. Because you got Morden who's selling used cars, and you got Wade, who's you know an out of work philosopher. <laughs> you know you want to see it. Don't deny it. Maybe not as much as you, but I would give it a go. So he's approached Garibaldi because he, you know, people have start noticed that like Garibaldi is speaking out against Sheridan, and you know. Uh, from what he indicates, that, that that's like their thing. They don't like. No one wants one man to come above a a group. Basically, they're they're selling a pile of sh- of poo to Garibaldi, and he's taking big whiffs. Oh yes. Uh-huh. And so after after that encounter with the alien woman, where like they kind of like Sheridan just like listen, you know, let let her go. You're hurting her, and like a thing happens, and and Garibaldi punches him. And so that's basically their last interaction. And they have, well, like, he, so he meets again with this character named Wade. And he says, okay, I guess I'm interested in what you're offering. Uh, I'll, I'll work with you to undermine Sheridan, but I won't hurt him. And they're like, no, no one wants you to. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> At least not yet. <laughs> right. So, and like, that's really all we know about that organization at this point mm-hmm. um so that's is there anything else on this episode we need to cover I don't think so we get some good Avada moments Avada's episode yeah oh no you think oh there's a big thing that we should cover cause it's like logistics and I love logistics you, oh you there's a couple things those world building details yeah I, I do there's there's two huge things. One is Ivanova and the logistics. Because she... They're they're going to run out of stuff. Vincenzo was right, and this is the episode that proves it. Thank you, Vincenzo. You were correct. There is a complete blockade from all sides on Babylon 5. So they aren't getting any supplies in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, right. Amazingly, they can last for like three months without any supplies. Plots. Probably longer because they the, the blockade didn't just go up. Apparently they can just recycle poop or something or whatever. They have ways. Yeah, well, with these things are better left unquestioned. But in any case, so poop. Ivanova, what? Poop. Jesus. I uh, had to ask. I planned on it. <laughs> so Ivanova has decided that. She- he will make contact with black market smugglers to to some for some reason keep Sheridan clear because you know you don't want him messing with the strugglers. He's only committing treason right now. One is enough for any man. Yeah, pretty much. So they so you had um so you you have her meet with the smugglers. It's just one scene, but it's a great scene. Um, where she basically browbeats. Like no, we haven't. 
Oh, it's it's beautiful. This is a good amount of. So she brow. Oh yeah. So she she browbeats these black market people into uh, to stopping smuggling weapons, drugs, any of that stuff, and start smuggling ship parts and food that they can't grow themselves and other supplies so that they can take care of themselves. She's like, listen, it's it's not going to get you rich, but you'll make a profit, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna soup up your ships, and we're gonna make you guys the best crime people ever. We'll take care of you. Just do what we want. And she also promises them amnesty after everything's over based on their their previous crimes. And she knows what they are, and she lists them. <laughs> In detail. And, and I think my favorite part is towards the, the at the end of the scene, one of the one of the the black market guys is just like, you'll even forget that that one thing. And she's like, yes, yes, we'll we'll ignore that thing, you know. We, we don't know that that was that thing that made Mr. Garibaldi's hair start falling out. <laughs> but apparently now there is an in-universe explanation for the fact that Mr. Garibaldi has been losing hair every year since the show began. I mean, can't you, just, can't you just have people? People go bald. Why does there have to be a chemical? No, this is the future, okay? Like there has to be a reason. I, I think I think that was a joke more than even on a bottom's part. Nope, I think it was real. I choose to believe it's canon. <laughs> oh boy. But in it, in any case, it was that she was making fun of Bali mercilessly for balding. Oh yeah. That 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 obviously happened but no it's a great scene and it's probably the highlight one of the highlights of this block because you know there's some humor in it but there's a lot of serious stuff happening too we get a surprising mm-hmm. amount of, of Ivanova based humor in the Master episodes yeah. well, she's the comic relief for these we get this one the last one has, has some good stuff too Ivanova complaining about her mom is dead yeah yes. this is a better Ivanova I like her I like stand up Ivanova you know, girl walks into a bar. She says, "Ouch, that's the kind of Ivanova I want." I'm sure you have it. That's right. Uh, the other part that I can't believe I almost missed is we have another ritual, and we find out there's only fifty more rituals to go. Potentially fifty, depending. It, it depends, but probably fifty. Did you ever think Dylan is just fucking with him? Yes. Yeah, she's absolutely fucking with him. Oh, yes. I have no doubt. Oh, they didn't show up the peeling of the onion, you know? This is the... Ri- no, yeah, I like that. The ritual peeling of the onion, the ritual where grapes are eyeballs, you know, all the fun stuff. They didn't show up the peeling of the onion, give me a food drop. For one, your accent is horrible. <laughs> Just so horrible. Yeah, like I, I don't know what Dylan accent is, but I don't know what that was either. So it's, well, I think it's, I think it's Andy Kaufman. Okay. <laughs> and then he gets, so this ritual, this is finally a ritual Sheridan can get on board with because this is, it is the ritual where the and couple. How. Oh yeah, where the couple has to get together and explore each other's pleasure zones and i think we know what everyone's like say what now 
so yeah, so finally after he has that fight with Garibaldi, they go he goes to her room and he's like, Man, have I had a day, hun? And he gets in and there's like, I don't know, what, ten, twelve Mimbari in there. Hey, which is great, which is fantastic. I love it. A ready for a ritual. Including Lanier. I, and he's just so happy. Just and, and he's like, I can't I can't do that with them here. And she's like, Well they they need to be here. It's important. They're gonna meditate. They're not gonna look, but they're gonna listen, they're gonna meditate, they're gonna pray. They have to make sure that things don't escalate too too far because apparently exploring pleasure zones has all thing that you're not supposed to cross. I don't, I don't know, know what stuff or Ridiculous. I, I don't know how to respond to that. Like, <laughs> but in any case, he's like, no, and she's like, yes, and he's like, all right, fine. Because she so, wants some loving. Right. So she she puts him into her bedroom. She closes the door with a polite nod, and we get the the walk of shame the next day <laughs> with 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 Sheridan wandering out of the quarters and into a transport tube and Lanier is in the transport tube and apparently Lanier tries to break tension by looking at him questionably and saying what you just said woohoo and uh, we find out that apparently Sheridan is a cowboy in the sack so to speak (laughs) (laughs) Which is the proper response? Um, So yes, they 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 uh, they have you know if you listen to the Clinton franchise, they do not have sex yet, but they get damn close. What if we'll get our auditory sex scene later? There you go. So now we can move on, I think, right? Yeah, I think we can everything basic (laughs) arms. Alright. So we have um episode eleven, which is lines of communication. Yes. It's another Delen heavy episode. Yeah, like this block is a lots of Delen. A lot of Delen, a little bit of a lot of uh... So let's do uh, um oh. Yeah, so uh, but we do we do we have have we done did we not wrap up Mars correctly? No. no, we did. Okay, no, this is the episode where Mars wraps up. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. is where Mars wraps up. Yes. There's just an episode right. in between the two, so. So who wants to who wants to cover Delenn, Queen of Fury? I'll cover Delenn, Queen of Fury. Okay. All right. So Delenn has to go off station again. There's been some issues. Until the border worlds and the war guys is not defending all of the religious pet cast colonies. Right. She has to go and deal with this. Right, because they apparently like they they make treaties, right, with these races and guarantee their protection. Yeah, most of them, if I remember correctly, don't have an army. So they can't like 
they come in and protect them and trade for, I guess, trades and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't... So we meet another religious caste guy who wants to introduce Dylan to some of his friends. Right. Right. So she eventually agrees to this under well no doesn't agree she's kidnapped yeah she's held under gunpoint yeah that way she can get out of there if she needs to and basically she's forced to meet them and they meet under the guise of they wanna uh where am I thinking never mind well they meet they meet a species naming themselves the Drock. The Jordan or the species name? They're all Drock. We keep doing the lead voice. Yeah, we're gonna avoid that. <laughs> they're 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 all Drock. Yeah, we wanna be worshiping aliens in the show. He, he he's bad and I think they realized he was bad because they they like do some weird special effects to blur him. Yeah. Try to blur him to make it. Yeah, it's. It's a it's a, it's like a mistake on a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he announces like they don't. But it becomes obvious really quick. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just because I've seen these fucking episodes so many times. But they get really close to saying who Delenn is a couple times, and they always stop short. Something distracts them. Something messes that up. Whatever. Yes. It takes a while for him for him to reveal who this is. Right. So then they do. Like, like, they're like, you should work with us. Give us some worlds. And right away, you see Lanier's just like, hey, is it because you don't have a home world anymore? Did it, like, maybe blow up or something? <laughs> And you know, like it happens to be that yes, our homeworld did blow up. How did you know? Good guess. But, but yeah, so so you you have that, and then they find out like I don't remember how it's mentioned, but they mention her name right at the end, right? Yeah. As he's as, as Rock is leaving. Yeah, he's like five seconds from getting off the ship, and they spill the beans. And then, like, he, he notes her name once, and he... This is right after he says something, like, story-related, where they basically... She was just kind of pawning them off and said, Okay, well, we'll meet you here in seven days to let you know our answer. And he's like, tell your people. And he's like, they already know. Basically, he's inferring that whatever he hears, the whole speech he's fucking hears. Right. There's some kind of communal mind, I guess. The drug, the, the drug are very well uh, well linked together. So so as soon as so right so basically they wanted us to know that so that we know that as soon as he hears that she is the Len of Mimbari, that all of the Drock know that she is the Len of Mimbari. Mm-hmm. And then like she's just like you fucked hard. What did you do? These are shadows. They need to get off. We need to get out of here. 
Bad stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff. Exactly. And, and then, you know, combat. Because you can't run a session without a little bit of combat. No. Absolutely not. So, fighting, and I know one of the few white stars get destroyed. And again, this is a like part two of why you should never piss off the lead. This is part of many. Yeah, this. Well, yeah. This is volume three of the epic of don't piss off the lead. This is true. But she basically. She's stole. She, she's destroyed a government already of her own people. Yeah. So she basically pulls everyone together, says, we're not leaving. We're going to go back and take your vengeance right now. Right. I was trying to wrap my brain around it. I guess they do this thing to get away skin dancing because the premise being, and I'm going to need your science brain in a second, Vinny, but the premise being that they can't get away quick enough to open a jump point, so they build up speed by flying as close as possible to the alien ships, like, along their hull, so that they can't actually be fired on, and then they get out. So, I mean, they're in space. They shouldn't have to fight inertia, right? You have, I think you should still have some inertia. Like, you, there's still something to fight, and no yeah, gravity? The rest tends to remain at rest. I thought. Well, I think I think what you might be thinking of is something is moving. There's not really much to slow it down, but it still has to get moving. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. Does that make sense? The laws of motion are are pretty much are almost designed for no gravity. Okay, I'll take that. Okay. Um. But so yeah, they get away, and then I guess. I guess they needed to get away if we're just going to pull out that whole plot thing where they discuss with them why this was a bad idea and blah, 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 so that they could regroup and go in knowing exactly what's happening as opposed to trying to attack the enemy while they're at a disadvantage. Right. That seemed, that seemed logical to everyone? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that's what they do. And they, they destroy the fuck out of them. They, they don't damage anything. <laughs> they don't damage anything. They destroy everything. Don't get in your way. And she had her cool lines, like, like that. Like, if there's one thing that J. Michael Straczynski likes, he likes focusing on either Sheridan or Delenn and having them great, great battle one-liners, like, end this. Yes. And we told Skid that. She's very upset at them. You know, you'd think she's she'd remember though like like that maybe she shouldn't act like maybe she should like weigh her anger against her decisions no that was all two episodes ago yeah and I I like I bookmarked the last episode I'd like to place a bookmark on this episode cause I'm pretty sure that this might come back to haunt her so we're gonna we'll talk about that later oh I'm sure well never ever show up ever again I think you're lying to me. I think that's a bullface lie. Not quite what I meant, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on. So, yeah, so Dylan had her thing. 
um, and then she gets back, right? And they do have an interesting, um, she has an interesting encounter before she left, though, with Sheridan. Because she's like, do this thing, and Sheridan's like, but baby, it could be dangerous. Sin Lanier. And she's like, listen, sweet cheeks. <laughs> she's like, I'm way older than you. I led, I led the council. Do not forget how fucking dangerous I am. I nearly killed all your people. Yeah. Do you think that's why? I just thought of that. Do you think she won't tell him about what happened? Because then she'd have to tell him about the dreaming. And then she'd have to tell him what the dreaming said. And she'd have to admit to him that the entire Earth and Bari War happened because of her? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's one hell of a lie to go into a marriage with. <laughs> it is a classic dilemma. Don't tell the whole truth. It no. is. It's just, it's just like, it's, isn't that fucked up? Like, uh, yeah, I did do some bad shit. Um, you need to not ever know that, though, man. Marry me? Yeah. I somehow need to know basis, and apparently he doesn't need to know. Yeah, but the thing is, marriages are not need to know. <laughs> Look, Dylan, she only has 20 years with him. She understands that something just might not come up. So, so, so right? Is that going to be like, it's going to be on his deathbed, and she's just going to be like, are, are you almost dead? Okay, hey, I caused the death. I caused the death. And then he dies, and she's like, yes, I told him before. Before he died, in the clear. Yeah, I believe that. All right. Okay, so so that's really the lens piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah. Did you enjoy the lens story? The other big. We saw the Mars stuff this episode. We still have a little bit of. Uh, oh yeah. Stuff. Right. So the Mars stuff's pretty cut and dry. One of the things we we get we. we are made aware of really quickly is that there is a bombing um, that kills a group of Earth Force personnel, but it also leads to the the death of ten civilians. And this is a bombing by the Mars Resistance, and right. it is not a bombing authorized by the leadership of the Mars Resistance. So that's an issue because you get proper authorization on this attack. Right. No. So they are like like they lose. They, well, they lose moral credibility because they're now like, they're like, ah, fuck, civilians, who cares? Right. Plus, I thought it was very interesting that number one is very concerned with what happens after the war. She's like, you know, if 10 civilians died under my leadership, I'm going to have to answer for that at some point. Yeah. And I, I had never really thought about stuff from that perspective where it's just like, okay, I'm part of resistance sooner or later even if we win I'm going to have to answer for the things I did in the resistance yeah she's very cognizant of that but so that happens and they get all of the yeah she she just lays into that guy who did the bombing um and we get all of the leaders of the resistance not just like Mars resistance sense but like earth proxima anywhere i guess 
think it's just Mars really. It's hard to get to Mars, my understanding. It is, but that's why it took a while. Because she's the leader on Mars. If it was just Mars, she would get to just make the call. So, I, I'm not... I thought there was a few other cells on Mars, the way I interpreted it. But. Maybe. I mean, it's not really that clear. Um, I think the the Wiki article agrees with you, but I'd have to go back and watch the episode to really to really narrow that down, or I guess I'd have to watch a couple of the episodes. But in any case, so they talk to the Resistance. Franklin shares the message that Sheridan gave him, which is a couple things. Um the standard stuff that you would expect. You know, we're really pissed that you guys have been mistreated. This is horrible. We broke away because he started bombing you. And they're... Right. They cynically point out, well, you also had ships heading your way at the time. And they also point out that Captain Sheridan was part of the task force that was sent down to put, like, in what they call the Mars food riots which is definitely has the air of a anti-Mars, pro-Earth action. Right. So they don't necessarily like Sheridan. No, but and after a little while and some arguments and making a... They do come around and agree to be... Uh, to line up behind Sheridan for now. Right. And, right. And they we get a little bit of um I don't I don't know if it's foreshadowing, but Franklin does say he's just like, Listen, we need to know you're behind us. We need to know you're going to do exactly what we tell you to do, no matter how strange. Weird thing to point out. Well, I just mean like like that seemed to be a weird thing, like to tell them. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like if, like, if we tell you to dance on your hands upside down, we're going to need you to do that. But yeah, as, as you said, David, they, um, they, they agree in the end to support, um, to support Sheridan for now. Right. We also get that, um, Franklin kind of lied a little bit because he incorporated in one of Sheridan's demands that they had to stop bombing civilian targets. And, you know, he didn't really know about the whole bombing of civilian targets. Until when, that day. Right, until that day. So, so it's a big it's it's a big law. And right, because he, he wants, he doesn't like that. He doesn't think Sheridan would like that. And really, he get number one on his side, and that's something that seemed important to her. Right. So, like, all these things really coalesce together, and it works out. And she's, like, she loves it. She's like, you're a liar, and I love it. Yeah, you're my kind of liar. Exactly. Come back to my bedroom. Yep. So, yeah. So, they go to have dinner and have sex. I mean... We hear them have sex. We don't see them have sex. So they could have been like, it could just be completely misunderstanding the scene. They could be like, just, like, you know, moan to Steven for no reason. Or they could have been playing like, um, Yahtzee. like Katana. Yeah. 
on and she just like he just made a really really great trade and she's turned on by his his prowess at the game all right because marcus is, I, I can see franklin doing that because marcus is right outside the room on guard duty yeah and so, yeah go ahead no go ahead I was going to say, and the one last kind of bit of this episode is um, Sheridan has kind of the great idea of uh, fighting the war with lightness in terms of they're playing a slander game, Earth is, like of just making stuff up, slanting any, everything to, the va- to their advantage. So he kind of gets the idea of we can play at that game. They can do it. We can do it. So he wants to put Ivanova in charge of that. Um, so he tasks her t- to change over the war room to the propaganda room. Yep, they're going to make their own. I like that you called it that because that's all anyone's going to see. Is they're really making their own state state news program. And, I mean, we, we as the viewer, trust that they're telling telling people the truth because because they're the good guys but in any other group they definitely wouldn't be telling the truth right but they're heroes so they're telling the truth exactly um, so so yeah they, they they just start that though they, they don't finish that no it was just they, they had the idea exactly you know, that was just kind of it and that's they just kind of left it as like we're gonna start, we're gonna start moving towards this idea. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else in this episode we should cover? I think we hit it all. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna move on to the last episode in the block, which is conflicts of interest, episode twelve of season four. This is. Well, we we haven't had one in a while, and it's like a it's kind of on its head. It, it's a Garibaldi episode. Ooh. And it's mainly Garibaldi this entire episode. Yep. It is definitely a Garibaldi episode. Yeah. Um, so we start with the scene that, that we'll let Vincenzo deal with because he wanted to talk about it. Okay, so we do get a moment of Garibaldi is still Garibaldi this episode. And what we see is he's doing his Well, I think that this whole episode kind of frames that well, too. Um, because he he also, he has some scenes with um, his, I, I don't think they were married, right? There's just his, his ex-girlfriend. I think they have best fiancé. Yeah, right, so. they, it might have been best fiancé. I think they were might have been engaged before he came actually up to Babylon. 
5. And, and a categoric achievement for Babylon 5. It is the same actress. And that's pretty rare for a show to be able to do it. Babylon's the only show that had that problem where they will recast a, a yeah. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm absolutely not joking. I think it's fucking awesome that they managed to get the same actress to do the part. Yeah. Yeah, this is Babylon Five has you know, there's been at least two major recasts. Yeah. So So, so they won this time. Came back later in role. Do you remember what that was? Draw came back as Brother Theo. Interesting, I did not know that. First draw was Brother Theo. Oh, was he really? Yes. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was well I was like, wait, got the actor back for another role but you couldn't get him back to play draw yeah interesting maybe he just wasn't available at the time yeah yeah but before we kind of two weeks later but before we really get into that part uh we first go up to sheridan asking i forgot his name kaneki uh to go down Yeah, thank you, (laughs) Zach, um, to go down to Garibaldi to collect his stuff. Like, he has to get his combat, his comm, his badge, his gun, because that, uh, once you leave a roll on that long time, you have to turn in all your stuff, and Garibaldi never did. Right, well, that that makes sense. That stuff was issued to him. It's all military stuff. It gives him too much power as a civilian. Right. I do want to point out a weird inconsistency, though, and see if anyone else noticed this. All right, so you have Sheridan. Towards the end of the scene with Sheridan and Zach, Zach's like, why do you, like, because Sheridan's like, do it today. And Zach's just like, why Why is there such a rush on this? And Sheridan goes, because I don't like the company he's been keeping. Obviously, to me, inferring this this new group with Wade and whatever. How? Like, why did... Right. Why does Sheridan know about this, but his head of security doesn't? Like, is he not trusting Zach? Like, does he have his own fucking spying now? Well, Rangers, like, he's still. Maybe one or two of the Rangers just told him and not Zach yet. Well, that's a really good. That's a really good thought, David. I hadn't even thought about yeah, that. That's actually that's a, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. I, I think he doesn't necessarily entirely trust Zach. Garibaldi. No, that, that might sense. be it too. Like he may have a lot of trust in Zach, just not around Garibaldi. Yeah, I mean, I just, I guess it's just like to me, your head of security should be like also in you know knowing about your spy ring. But I had, I had completely forgotten that like the Rangers exist and they're outside of that and they do report to Sheridan. Yeah. So, so good thought on that. Thank you. I, but so yeah, so Zach goes and takes all that shit. Yeah, and Garibaldi gives it over with little resistance. He was a little upset that Zach did it of all people, but he does hand everything over. Well, he's I think a little more than a little upset. He really throws a fucking fit at the end. Right. Like, why did you have to do that? Even though you're the chief of security, and it really should be your job, and I would have done it. Yeah. And it's not so much him taking it stuff, it's the fact that it was Zach, specifically. At least right. that's what I got from him. Well, definitely. I mean, Zach was his, 
his, his protege, but still, at the same time, that's the thing. Um, this is the first episode where someone actually spells out the obvious, and still no one listens to him. Because Zach and Sheridan have this conversation, and Zach's like, listen, I know this guy. He came back from wherever he was different and no one changes like that it doesn't make any sense and every one of us is going yeah keep going keep going mm. and, and then you know Sheridan's just like yeah people change you know the universe doesn't make sense oh well fuck Garibaldi yeah I mean was I the only one that watched that scene and was just like really guys really no, uh, no, but it's one of those that, that somehow, you know, Zach got the plot. <gasps> Zach got the plot think... book, but no one else did. Right? Do you do you think he's he's gained Garibaldi's powers? Maybe. Now that he's head of security, do you think he in fact does find script notes? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, think, yeah, I think having head of security gives you the script. Yeah, that's what it is. It's not Garibaldi thing. It's a. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he goes and takes that stuff away, and then Wade comes to him to give him a job. He's like, you're going to have to go against your own people. We need people, someone smuggled in, blah, 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 blah. And um, hey, Garibaldi's like, well, five minutes ago, that would have been a big no, but now that I'm a big spoiled baby pants, I'll totally do it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much how it goes down. Word for word. Yep. I'm so glad you have the script memorized. Yep. Big fucking baby pants. Yeah, yeah. It's really the, the writing of the show is absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> All right. So um, that's where his wife enters the field, right? That's with the, the, the former fiancé. Right, yeah. right. They go down to meet the person that he's supposed to be guarding, and it turns out to be the fiancé. And that's I, interesting. Well, that's interesting, because when last we spoke to Lise, she was married to, like, an Australian tennis player? Sure, yeah. yeah. And then... She's, she's, she's gone through a few names since we've last seen her. Yeah, she's had... Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. And now she's married to the biggest drug czar, like the the biggest medical, like legal drug person on Mars. Like he's, he's just like that Scarelli guy, only, you know, much richer. He's the head of Pfizer. Yeah. There you go. So, um, so she's all like, I guess like, I think that like because the the premise that wade gave garibaldi is that her husband would like her to know a little bit more how to do all the stuff in the business because he can't always be there and he wants to groom her in i think it was purely to see how baldi would react yeah i can see that happening and i find it very telling that he's willing to risk his wife in a dangerous situation just to test out an operative yeah i I think this is, this is not Edgar's first wife. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and I don't think he likes alimony either. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was really funny. 
Jesus Christ. I don't have a business trip to go on. That's amazing. So, in any case, um, we get a little bit more about this group because they, they meet the guy and whatever CD bar that still has that Tom Cruise cocktail. I'm tossing bottles of liquor in the air, bartender. Mm-hmm. Did you really like that place? Some places never change in Babylon 5. That's right. Just put the set back together and get that cocktail alien back. We need a CD joint. Consistency. Forget the command center. Protect that bar. Alright, so, so they meet this guy and he gives them a vial sealed and... I don't know, pirate. <laughs> no, no, it's some sort of clear material that's super safe. Like that's the, the some of the best security you could possibly get. Um, the molecular code to open the safe, blah blah blah. Right, and it's um, it's some sort of like he is obviously like some sort of um chemical. So they they give they tell Garibaldi they're like listen um. The gene that makes telepaths seems to be mutating, and it's gonna like it's gonna cause. We're worried it's gonna cause problems, so we're doing research to try to make sure that the like that we can stave that off. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to make big publicity out of it because you know people already don't like telepaths. There might be a panic. You know this this sickness isn't transmittable to normals. So, yeah, panic. right. And Garibaldi's, of course, like, of course. And he's going to be like, you know, of course, he's going to make 10 billion more credits, you know, selling the cure to them and blah, blah, blah. So they get ambushed pretty quick after that. Mm-hmm. And there's a chase that ensues. And since he, like, they run into a little problems here and there, since he, like, doesn't have his gun, he doesn't have his... All right, and this is the key point. We find out before this happened, we Zach finds out that Garibaldi had an extra Identicard. So he was able to bypass security to get Lise on the station. Mm-hmm. Once Zach found that out, he canceled all of identity like all the identity cards and authority that Garibaldi has on the station and that's why they can't get away effectively because he can't get through the door it's a secure door right so they they escape into the vents like good heroes absolutely yes heroes in this case I'm sorry let me rephrase like good PCs yeah like good good action stars There we go. Um, and there's there's a scene that we should point out. Um, they, Garibaldi stays behind because, you know, as soon as one of the bad guys pokes his head up, he can shoot him in the head. And the guy pokes his head up, and there's just this moment where the guy stares at Garibaldi, and Garibaldi stares at the guy. And the guy looks like he has a little bit of a moment of concentration, and then he just goes away. And... That's when Garibaldi realizes, hey, telepaths are chasing us. Mm-hmm. So he 
he goes and saves them because obviously the telepaths can read where they're going and where they're going to be. So he saves them from from an ambush, and they kind of get away. And he has Lise, like, just he tells her where they're going, and then doesn't go there because she's so scared that her scared thoughts are gonna, you know, overwhelm the telepathic channel, and that's all they're gonna be able to read is where she's thinking they're going. So then they catch them all, and you know there's cyanide involved. Of course there is. They do a classic. Oh God, we're trapped. Yeah, yeah. I don't even. Emergency tooth ready. I don't even know why Zach bothers calling the the, the doctor as an emergency. I mean, and he's like, probably cyanide. And I'm like, and then as soon as they hear that, they're gonna be like, okay, well, I guess we don't have to hurry. Yeah. So, um, so, but then, then there's lots of yelling and cause, cause Garibaldi had some, some, some antics and he's no longer head of security and you're only allowed to have antics when you're head of security. Well, you just can't even get away with antics when you're head of security. Yep. Exactly. So he gets yelled at and he, of all things, he gets, gets pissed at Zach for revoking his security when he lied to him about yeah. the whole thing. Right. Yeah, this is one of those... I think that, you know, Garibaldi is, is pretty ridiculous for being pissed off at Zach for... Doing his job. The job that Garibaldi tricked him to do. Right. It's kind of ridiculous. But he does anyways, so... And at the end of the episode for Garibaldi, um, this guy, what is his name, William Edgars, um, he doesn't show up on screen, but he does call Garibaldi and says, hey, you did great. I don't know how he successfully calls since there's a whole jamming thing, but he managed yeah. and says, this has been great. Um, would you like a job? I want to keep you on retainer so that you keep on, can keep on doing shady shit for me. Garibaldi's like, I would love to get. You can tell us if they're able to get a, a message through. He has his ways. Sure. And he, Gary, he's like, you. We will have to come to Mars, but you know, is that a problem? And Garibaldi's just like, that is absolutely not a problem. I will be happy to leave this station. Everyone here sucks. And then I need, I need to get my own plot line. That's that's right. I need my own plot. None of this this group plot shit. Um, really, the only other plot on this is um, is Ivanova, right? Yeah. No, not, not technically true. There is a scene with um, Londo and Jakar. Yes. Uh, basically, uh, go ahead. Right. No, please. Uh, what it is is Sheridan brings Londo and Jakar to his office uh, because a lot of like smaller worlds are getting attacked because of like the war everyone's kind of on their asses you know reeling from it so some people are trying to take advantage and Sheridan wants to bring out kind of protection ships just to protect the the fringes like the borders and basically both for once in the history of the show Lando and Dakar agree on something it's shocking but True. Um, basically they both say if you do this 
it looks like you're going to try and take over. Like, advantage for yourselves. Don't do this. But he's like, if you guys agree to it, then it will be okay. Right. So that's why he brought some. Yeah, they yeah. basically tell him he's a fucking, he's a he's a lunatic. Yeah. Um, uh, but he he does actually. This is one of the few times where I really feel like Sheridan actually argues with more than, uh, come on, because he does like he does eventually sway Londo. Yeah. Um, and I think once Londo agrees, Jakar's close behind. Right. So, so, and he makes it clear it's just to protect borders. There's no, like, skirmish. Like, he, they won't get involved in anything else or any other skirmishes. It's just to fend off these people that are trying to take advantage of other people. Exactly. And I mean, so that's, that's an important, like, little piece, I think. Yeah. Because obviously, like, like this is this is a good place. Like, cause we're no right now. There's just a whole crap ton of rangers and ships. And what are they doing? There's no more yeah. shadows to fight. Right. So you know he's probably getting a couple of of eggs in one basket there, just to like I can give the rangers something to do. We can you know help the other races, save some lives, you know that kind of thing. Everyone wins. Right. Um, and then you have uh, Avanova just starting to get so she gets the newsroom t- t- together. Yeah, like she finally gets it up and running. And I do say I love the little moment when like she's having trouble when Franklin comes back and he is having trouble of she's having trouble powering everything to get the signal out. And Franklin just brings up like the planet uh, the planet. Yeah, Epsilon three. And she's like, of course. I thought, like, anyone would have thought of that. And you, it was, like, just a great little moment of, like, clearly she it didn't even cross her mind until Franklin said something. So Definitely. it was just, again, it was, like, a little funny Ivanova moment. No, I, I, yeah, I'm glad that they, they, like, she's been having some really fun moments. Yeah. And again, it's, like, an, like I'm glad that they put them in there just because this nice little um, stress relievers and break from everything else that's going on, you know, so. Absolutely. I mean, these have been some really, like, relatively heavy episodes. Mm-hmm. You haven't had a light episode in a long time. No. And it's, we won't for a long time. Right. But and that's why I think it's really good that they still manage to keep things relatively light at, at moments. Right. Well, whether it's, you know, number one going, oh, Stephen, or, you know, doing the Marcus singing, you know, they have good moments where they're balancing humor and the seriousness of this. Because this is a major, like, plot. I mean, this is a, this is a civil war for right. Earth, and it should be serious, and it's, it's scary, and it should be scary. But, you know, you can't just, like, there's only so long you can... Well, I guess that's not true. There's plenty of shows that just keeps seriousness and don't put really any humor into it. But I, I like, I like him. JMS style in terms of that. Yeah. It's, it's tough to go for that level of just pure drama. No, exactly. So, 
that I think covers that episode, correct? I think so. I think we're free this block. We have about another four episodes. Right, so we're gonna do episodes 13, 14, 15, and 16 next time. Episodes are called Rumors and Rumors, Bargains and Lies, Moments of Transition, No Surrender, No Retreat, and the Exercise of Vital Powers. And I mean, for a lot of these uh, episodes, I think you can safely assume that it's things aren't going to get any lighter. No. Probably so. not. At a point where nothing's gonna get better until nothing's gonna get better until everything gets worse. Yeah. Exactly. So, but until then, we didn't have any questions. I assume we we usually never do. But <laughs> no, we did um, get some Daryl Surratt quotes some lines from the last episode, last block. All right, good. Okay, and I'm really glad that that, that people are, are enjoying the the Babblecast. I. I hope that you guys are still getting things out of it, even those who have watched these episodes like we have much, many times. Yeah. I did. I did hear for the first time that we got that we we helped inspire your mother, Vincenzo, to to watch Babylon Five. Yes. It's been, it's been the long game of my father to get her to watch the show since it was started airing. And we really? are delighted to help him. I yes. yes, I am delighted and happy about that. In, in, in the long game, wheel within wheels plan, the way to get her to watch it was have children show the, show them the show, have them do the podcast on it, have her listen to said podcast, and then make her watch the show twenty five years later. I, I feel like we succeeded. I mean, that is definitely the long con, but, but good for him. Yeah. Play the long game. I'm happy with it. But um, now we have. Would you say we're we're not quite halfway, are we? We have passed the halfway part for the season. I, I don't mean for the season. I mean for the whole thing. Like in general. Uh yeah, no, we definitely. I think we've. Not by much. Depends. I think it'll depend on how we do the movies or do other things. I think we can do the movies in two episodes. We have, I think we're, we're past the halfway point, actually. Okay. Okay. This has been another episode of the Babblecast, a production of All He's Considered. You can find this episode and all other episodes at www.allheconsidered.com. You can find Vinny on Twitter at VinnyAvAGC. You can find Diego at, at DM underscore AGC. And you can find David at HappyGoLucky1 on Twitter, and you can also find his knitting work at The Bent Knitter, which you can find on YouTube and Facebook. And remember to follow uh, All Geeks Considered on Twitter at at AGC underscore blog, and you can follow, and you can uh, like us on Facebook. We would really appreciate that. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher to get us more listens, and please rate and review us uh, wherever you get your podcasts.